The Viewpoint on SAFM. Bangs, it's been a while. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. It's you in Cape Town. Come again? Were you coming to Cape Town, weren't you? I'm hoping to, but that's me and you conversation, not national um, listeners' <laughs> conversation. <laughs> no, no, but I think it's important to come down. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, I intend to. I'd love to, of course. I mean, there's business to be done in Cape Town yeah. and to engage conversations that are not yeah. just from the metropolitan centre of Johannesburg and surrounding areas, but also the Western Cape and the issues that are relevant there. Talking about issues yeah. of relevance to the Western Cape, yeah, we're talking about a national strike and how. Give us a bird's eye view as to what this strike is all about. Certainly, if the Labour Appeal Court is anything to go by, or the judgment of the Labour Court today, suggesting that the strike certainly now, it's a Labour Appeal Court judgment, delivered its judgment today, confirming that the strike is protected. Therefore, all members must comply with the order and take limitations on strike and health services. But nonetheless, it is a strike. Mm, in the health sector, it has its unique challenges, doesn't it? It certainly does. And in fact, as you know, they're essential workers, and being essential workers, they can't actually go on a strike. Um, but of course, this is a people don't have enormous respect for the law. And look, quite frankly, you must also understand where the workers are coming from. Um, I know the public sentiment is against the workers at the moment, and I know that they've done really nasty things. And there's a certain amount of liability which we must speak about. Mm. But the reality is that they have gone on a strike, it is illegal, the court has said it's illegal, and yet they're not stopping. Um, I also have a particular problem in that all three ministers from health, from police, and from uh, employment and labor were all absent in the first few days of the strike. Uh, One wonders what that was all about. Bags, at the heart of the strike, what is it? In other words, just give us the genesis, the core information that for those listeners who are not necessarily aware of what is going on, bring us all up to speed, the salient points, so that we can engage what a protected strike is, what an essential service worker is against a protected strike, even if that facility exists, how then that facility, from what you're saying, is broken, how it can be broken, and the repercussions thereof politically as well as socially. But for now, a synopsis of the salient facts. Okay, well, the bottom line is the union movement is angry. The government let them down four years ago. They entered into an agreement, a three-year agreement. They paid the first year, paid the second year, reneged duplicitously on the third year so the people didn't get that third-year strike as a payment. They didn't go on strike at that stage. They tried the courts. They lost at the Constitutional Court on a technicality, mind you. And this is a government that's supposed to be in a tripartite alliance with the trade union movement, and they knived them in the back. So you can understand where the workers are coming from, and you can certainly understand where the trade union leadership is coming from, and the trust relationship is completely broken. So that's that's a bit of a history. So when on the substantive the- issues, this strike is a legitimate concern against an agreement that the state has reneged on, and this strike is not the first instance of engaging that reneging, if you will, by Labour. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Okay, and in fact, Labour, Labour has been desperately trying to talk to government, and what they've done now, uh, well, about six months ago, they went and implemented unilaterally a 3% increase. 
which is disgusting because they know that they were still involved in what was supposed to be negotiations. But the Minister of Employment and Labour then implemented the 3%. And, I mean, that's a slap in the face. If that happened to me and I was in the trade union movement, I'd be absolutely disgusted. So... Three percent against know. what? Three percent against what? What against was the demand? Ten percent. There was Very a demand well. of ten percent. They would have settled at six point nine, which is uh, the, the, the 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 golden golden figure, because that's where inflation is sitting at six point nine percent. The workers are going backwards, so you must understand that every year they're earning less, um, and it's it's not working. They can't bring a basket of food home because every year they get less and less because of inflation. Mm. And they were willing to, in fact, settle on inflation. In other words, just to tread water and not not go further. Look, government has also got a legitimate concern, and that is they don't have money. The union's answer to that is, well, you people stole it. It should have had money, but people have been stealing. And they're blaming the, the governing party for that. And look, there's a lot of truth to that. We, all you need to do is read the Zondo Commission, which I've been enjoying as a great novel. Uh, the problem <laughs> is that it's actually the problem is that it's actually true. Um, but it makes for very interesting reading. If any of the listeners are interested, sad it is available and beautiful, beautiful reading. But it's sad, and it's the destruction of our beautiful country. Uh, Zonda has now gone in warts and all and told us who stole and how it was stolen and how much was stolen. And I think he's only scratched the surface, quite frankly. And so the workers are saying, you stole the money. You can't come now and tell us, well, you haven't got money because we know that you stole it. And it's very unfair. We're earning peanuts, really, compared to what you steal on a daily basis. So you can understand that. I mean, it's very similar to the defense where a person stands up in court and says, don't convict me, uh, my parents, but you must understand, uh, I'm now an orphan, uh, and that's my defense. I mean, the government is saying, well, we haven't got money, and the union saying, well, you stole it. That's not much of a defense. Um, so you can understand where the union leadership is coming, and they don't trust government. So even if government said, all right, we'll sit around the table and we'll talk to you, they know that government's got a knife behind their back and ready to stab them again like they did last time. You'll also recall about almost a year ago, the transport workers went on a strike. I don't mm. know if you recall that. Mm-hmm. And they, the government dug its heels in the 3%. The transport workers, the, the ports and harbors, they then went on a strike. It was a destructive strike. Um, it, it brought a lot of the economy to a standstill, which is a powerful, a powerful reason to try and settle this thing. And, of course, what happened is government, after three days of striking, realized that they're not going to win this one, and then they gave a 6% increase. So the union knows that all you need to do is show a bit of power, bear your teeth, and government will cave in. We've also got another problem right now, and that problem is we're facing an election in 2024, and government is desperate for the voters voting fodder of Kasatia. No, Bags, before we get into the... I can't ag them. No, no, no. Bags, you're doing absolutely everything right. Please don't get ahead of me because you've touched on a number of issues that are essential, that do merit their own time and space. So, for instance, you mentioned earlier on that 
This is a strike which the Labour Appeal Court has since deemed to be protected. Earlier on, you prefaced all of this by saying healthcare workers are essential workers, therefore, by definition, in the LRA, Labour Relations Act, that is, they are not allowed to strike. How is this tension facilitated for? Well, look, what you can do is you can come to an agreement with government on a maintenance service. And what that is, it's all legal talk. But in reality, what you can do is to say, look, it's a hospital. We know the hospital has to run. People get sick. They need operations and whatever. We will keep a certain amount of staff keeping the hospital running. And those that are off duty will then stand outside and picket. And that's called a maintenance service. You keep it going. The problem is that is, in place? No. The problem is, again, I'm putting the blame not on the unions. I'm putting the blame on government. Like I said, the three ministers who should be involved in this, three highly paid ministers, the Minister of Police should be should have been there with his people to make sure that uh, people didn't die in the process and make sure that property wasn't destroyed. He should have been there. The Minister of Health should have been there to say, look, I need my hospitals to run properly. Uh, we've got enough problems as it is and that most of the hospitals are run down and they've run out of money. So the Minister of Health should have been there. He's just been reappointed, Mr. Buffalo, to... Um, you would expect that new rooms would sweep clean, but he was also absent. And then finally, the Minister of Employment and Labour um, obviously wasn't present. This isn't the norm for the Minister of Labour. He wasn't present. He wasn't anywhere to be seen. I mean, I can well imagine he was probably in Mauritius having a holiday because no, there was Vince, nothing, come on no now. statement, nothing. No, there was nothing from it. No, I accept that. But look, you, you, you don't have to convince this choir. I think there's a general acceptance <laughs> that certainly between Begitele and Tulas Nessi, you're going to be sucking blood out of a stone ad infinitum. They just simply are never going to be good at what they do. Let's engage the fact that the healthcare department on any metric you used, is on a deficit. Not enough resources, not enough infrastructure, and certainly not enough staff. Now, how will accounts for some 112,000 healthcare workers in the country's public hospitals and clinics? Let's assume they are all not there. Yeah, this look, has I, unintended I consequences now. This, I mean, so let's suspend the conversation about the strike and its merits and the legitimacy of it to the extent that it is legitimate against healthcare workers who are not supposed to be on strike, in fact are on strike. Can we just engage the social impact of this and the political fallout? In fact, not even the political fallout, the social impact of what this message ultimately means, what impact at a social level on the day they decide to come to terms, whatever the terms will be. There will still be this backlog for the duration of the strike its impact will not just be for if the strike lasts two weeks and impact for two weeks after which there's recovery. It's going to add to the existing backlog, which to service or to restore in this South African context is years, if not three decades. Absolutely. I mean, you can understand you're between a rock and a hard place here. First of all, the workers who would have lost two or three weeks salary will take years to catch that up, even if they get the extra 3% over and above the 3% that's been implemented. So they're going to suffer. The workers will suffer. They will also, when they come back, they've got to start picking up the pieces, as you said, and this is going to take years as well for the hospitals to come right. They have got a backlog. They are suffering. Government doesn't have the budget for the Department of Health. The Department of Health is on its knees. And, you know, it's, it's almost like 
you know, why kick a dog when he's down? And what so better time, Paul Hoders would ask. We think alike. The bottom line is this strike is not good for anyone. It's not good for the workers. It's not good for basically the whole healthcare sector. Really not good for them. And it's certainly not good for government. who's going to have to go now go and pick up the pieces, spend more money, which they don't have, and then try and sort this out. It's all very well to say that the healthcare workers are, are there are too many of them. They over, that's a bloated healthcare service. That, that that's that's not their fault. The work I tend to sympathise with the workers in this dispute. I don't sympathise with the way they behave in their strike, but I sympathise with the fact that they needed to do something to focus government on their plight. And yes, there were people that misbehaved, and yes. There's going to be a lot of litigation hereafter. Uh, it's quite clear what's going to happen. The government will sue the whole. Uh, they have to because there's a lot of damage, and it's clearly done by health workers themselves. There will be individuals who will go to the police and make criminal charges, make charges for murder. And we're going to see all of that uh, coming out of this. This will be another 10 years' worth of litigation. Uh, which will make the lawyers smile no, you, uh, at the country thanks. cry. You, in and other words. We, unfortunately, are in a situation in South Africa where we cannot afford these strikes. We're not even in strike season yet. Wait until the workers across the board in government service, the municipal workers, they still got their saber rattling. They in the We're going to join this because we've got our own dispute. They've now implemented 3% for us. This is municipal workers across the board, across the country. And they're not happy, and they've gone back to a 10% demand, never mind the 6.9%. And government clearly cannot afford that. And it's going to be scorched earth because the government's going to be forced to pay it. Let's they're talk about the scorched earth. At least the 69 and they don't have the money. So when does that chicken come home to roost? Wait, Who's going to find that money? Where are they going to find it? And the workers will get even more angry if they do sign an agreement, and then you can't pay it. Bags, give me a chance. Then, give me like a chance. What happened three years ago? Because you are now getting into the political fallout of all of this. You've twice referenced it, more specifically in relation to what the workers are seeing in relation to what government is doing and government largesse. All of the largesse is ill-gotten or unjustified or just plain and frankly stolen and corrupted. Also, the political implication to that. I'm going to play you a clip now. I mean, you will hear one or two words which are just obvious, even if you don't understand the language. And then I'm going to come back to that because this is the preface to the actual question. Now, Ndibolege Imali, borrow me money. I want to go buy a car. Borrow me money from the money from Palapala because I want to go and buy a car for my children. Earlier on, you mentioned the fact that what's happening at a political level with our leaders, as high as the president's office, because you heard Palapala, that's what the chant is saying. 
Let's engage the political impact associated with this kind of strike now, outside strike season, if you will, this sort of strike on the pure substantive merit of it. In other words, we cannot in reasonableness fault the strike if we engage it from the perspective of the worker and how the worker has been shafted not once, twice. Let's look at it against the fact that strike season is yet to come, so there will be more of these sorts of industrial actions taking place, and which is more. In 15 or so months from now, the biggest election post-1994, or if you exclude 1994, this is quite easily the biggest election, given the fact that at least there is some level of certainty amongst those who are fortune tellers that we will not have a one-way government. Can you give us, and specifically from you in the opposition bench, the context of what really is at play here, beyond the industrial action, which for sure it will be sorted out, it's just a question of when and on what terms, but the ripple effect at a political level. Bags? Mr. Michael Bagram, we cannot hear you if you can hear me. And I'm hoping that we can hear you. Um, okay, I understand the guys are dialing you back. So let me just read one or two messages that have, in the interim anyway, come through from some of our listeners. Songhez, this guy is politicking instead of answering your questions. And I think because of his links to the DA, is making him not a good person to talk about the strike and government refusal to pay the 10%. And it is not about the politics, man. That is TG. Now, there's another one that refers to uh, in my Dadiel home office or not. Home affairs personnel are not at the office. They are on strike. That's from so in other words, strike season, whilst we are not in strike season, certainly strikes are taking place. But specifically, Beggs, um, are you there, Michael? Yes, I am. I don't know how much of my previous question you were able to hear in relation to the chant and my having explained it. Yes or no, did you hear that? I didn't know, but I know the chant, and unfortunately it was sort of warmongering type of chant. No, it was not. The, the chant okay. is give me money or give us money from the money from Pala Pala so that we can go and buy ourselves uh, our okay. cars for our children. <laughs> and in the political context of it, you had mentioned earlier on that you're reading Zondo. Zondo is telling us a very gory story of how money was simply looted and frankly stolen by those with access to the treasure troughs. The workers have seen this. The workers just like you know this. They are now saying, don't tell us there's no money, give us the money, and we want to ensure that we too have the sorts of comforts that come with the dignity of work. Now, that is laden with all sorts of political rhetoric. You mentioned earlier on the political impact of this. We are outside strike season, which is due in a couple of months' time. We are also talking about a critical party in the tripartite alliance, a Gosatu affiliate, and which is more in 15 months from now, Finally, on my point is we will see the biggest consequential election outside 1994. The political climate of what is going on and what is yet to go on. Give us a perspective, albeit from the DA or your perspective. Uh, well, it's not a DA, it's from my perspective as a Labour lawyer, but I am a mm-hmm. member of the DA and I'm certainly an MP. But, you know, I, I, I know that the public are screaming at the workers at the moment and I know that the workers have certainly covered themselves in mud, unfortunately, with the behavior that took place. But we need to look beyond that. We need to look at the hurt. We need to look at the feelings and also the 
history behind why the government doesn't have any money. And the workers also read the Zondo Commission. Mm. It's, it's, not a, it's not a secret document. Everyone reads the, the document. Most people who I speak to actually cannot believe what they're reading. It sounds a bit like Alice in Wonderland. Um, they can't believe it, but it is true. Yes, and to shout, give us the money from Pala Pala, well, unfortunately, that was a lot of money. And it seems to have been, it, it was frittled away it's somewhere where no one knows. But that's not the money would have, that would have gone to the workers. What would have gone to the workers is the money that was spent on all those tenders that were stolen, quite frankly. And it was billions. And all you need to take is one billion rand that was stolen, get it back, and the workers would all get their increase and live happily ever after. So you can understand fully where they're coming from. If I was a worker in the healthcare sector and I hadn't had an increase, and now they've unilaterally implemented 3%, I'd be jolly angry. And if government's not listening and they're not willing to talk to me and sit around the table and negotiate, well, then I've got to do something to wake them up, to concentrate the mind. And this is the something that we're seeing today. Yes, there are individuals that are stepping out of the bounds. You've got 30 seconds, Bates. Individuals who need to be punished and need to be sued. And the union's going to pay for this. Unfortunately, in all of what you've said, thank you so much, Michael Bagram. There are reportedly four people who have since passed on during the strike action. And this is exactly the consequence of this sort of dispute between labor and the state, where there's a sense of callousness, indifference, even arrogance or downright lawlessness to those families who have lost their loved ones. We have one voice note to play before we move on to our next story. Evening, Songezo. Songezo, I think uh, now needs to take this matter to the Constitutional Court so that the clear and proper constitutional interpretation is made. Section 72 and 74 of Labor Relations clarify what is at issue now. And as far as I remember, I haven't yet government talking about having a minimum service level agreement with the unions. Secondly, they don't respect Section 74, which said uh, essential workers need to go to, to, to bargaining uh, structures, proper bargaining structures that are available for them, but they should not go on strike. But when they get there with the employer, the employer does not respect whatever outcome coming from that those bargaining structures. So it's useless to have... Uh, uh, people following up what the Constitution is saying while their rights are being violated. I think now we need to take this to the Constitutional Court. Thank you. Z from Lefontaine.